I am going to take the opportunity at the beginning of this to say something about the fact that we are, in fact, on 9-11. Okay. Will not probably apply the same way to our international listeners, any that there. I know there's a handful out there, at least. But for any Americans listening, it's been long enough. I am someone who has lost people in the tower, so I have the utmost respect for the day and what it means as an American. Just want to make sure that is said and understood before we get rolling with anything else today. Not dismissed by any stretch. I know what day it is and I know the significance of it. And we're recording anyway. Because, yes. <laughs> oh, that, no, I, I agree. I, I too, this is a somber day in our household because of the fact that um, we do have people in my family that were, were there and helped and also were involved in some of the recovery efforts. Oof. So, then, yes, yeah, this absolutely. is definitely a somber day. Agreed. Hopefully it won't be a somber conversation, but we'll see. It's, you know. It, it won't be. No, I don't think it will be. It's about leather, but definitely want to pay respect. (laughs) Yeah, leather can be some serious shit, right? Anyway, (laughs) good morning for our listeners. It is September eleventh, two thousand twenty-two. We are on episode late eight of Leather and Limits. Oh God, I'm starting early. Eight more coffee. Need more coffee. This could get today. We have a special guest. Yes, we do. I would. I would like to take a moment to introduce Miss Rue. I. Closest personal friend, someone I call sister, and someone that I'm excited to have share her experiences within the leather lifestyle. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate it. We absolutely appreciate you being here. 100%. Um, Let's start off with why don't you give yourself a little background about where you come from in leather and where you got your start. Um, If you're comfortable with that. Uh, No, I'm, I'm pretty much an open book. I, um... I have been doing BDSM in some way, shape, form, or fashion, off and on, because, of course, I have taken breaks. Uh, Now, I added it up for 29 years. Um, I started when I was 18. It was introduced to me uh, from a boyfriend who tied me up, and I was like, holy crap, what is this? Um, (laughs) Miracles. Well, hello to you, too. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And that's how it all started. Um, was a, a piece of uh, nylon rope from Home Depot and a boyfriend. Um, That's hot. It's all yeah. <laughs> so um, I did not um, initially start in a leather path. Uh, my leather path snuck up on me and um, patiently waited for me to catch up with it is the best way I know how to describe that. Um, I have always, in hindsight... I had always surrounded myself or had been surrounded by what I would call leather-minded folks. Um, My grandfather, who was pivotal in raising me, uh, was a cattle, born and raised on a cattle ranch. Um, And so literally, like, lived and worked and was raised in in leather, literally, um, and and, and theoretically because he is an old Southern gentleman. You know, my dad, who was pivotal in raising me, is a was a retired homicide detective. And so I literally have memories uh, as a kid sitting in the living room and helping him clean his gear. You know, you you get because he wore all leather gear. And yeah. so I literally was raised 
around that, around this sense of community, this sense of giving back, the sense of, you know, educating people and taking care of people. So I grew up, you know, helping my grandfather shine his boots, his leather boots that he wore every day of his life and hearing all of his cattle ranch and army military stories. My dad cleaning his gear and being raised in a police station by a police officer and all of that to end up marrying a military man and who was also a police officer for a short amount of time and being a military spouse with shining his boots and in education and sense of community and all of the things that happened. And then, you know, through all of that kink was interweaved. And then it dawned on me looking back that all of the people that I were, that I was driven to in kink and all of the people that I learned my most valuable lessons from were leather. I always sat around the old crotchety people that had the leather on that loved to tell the stories. And I actually sat down and I shut up and I listened and I gravitated towards these people and they gravitated towards me. And so I went through like a, a really big identity thing. I started as a submissive. I was a, I was a beautifully horrible submissive um, <laughs> because I literally like flipped every top I was ever with. Like it was, it was, I knew exactly what to do and that was the problem. Um, and so I went through a lot of identity changes from thinking, okay, I'm not a submissive, obviously, so maybe I'm a switch. Lived in that, in that robe for a little bit. And then I was like, no, I'm definitely not that. I am a dominant. And it felt comfortable um, to say I was a dominant. But it's almost like when you wear a pair of shoes, they feel comfortable, but something's just not right with them, but you don't know what it is. Yeah. So you wear them every day, but there's just not the pair of shoes. And so I talked to a lot of people that I trusted and that I respected. And I said, you know, what about leather? You know, I wonder if I am. And the first thing out of their mouth was, holy shit, it's about damn time we've been waiting on you. (laughs) And and they were like, if you don't believe me, go to your other communities of the people that you respect and ask them the same question you just asked me. And I was like... (laughs) all cocky and everything. And I was like, fine, I'll go ask them. So I did. And they said the same damn thing. They were like, Oh, it's about damn time. We've been waiting on you to realize this. And so it wasn't until I actually said the words, I'm a leather dominant that I felt like I could breathe. And it felt like everything I like the entire journey I had been on fell into place. And so from that point on, that's what I did. That's, that was, that has been the, the center point of everything that I do in the community. So yeah, it snuck up on me. (laughs) (laughs) Something we have in common. Yes, absolutely. I was going to say, and now I have a better understanding why you're such good friends. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Many, many a night over a good fire and a great bottle of whiskey. Have we chatted about these, these subjects? Oh yeah. And it's, And just when we think that, like, we have this one thing in common, something else about our past or our experiences or the people we've been around, and we're like, you too? No way. (laughs) No, I can appreciate that 100%. Yeah. So This is why I call her sister and friend, because we very much are on. And it's funny, because we do come from similar enough backgrounds that we have so much in common, but we also view things very differently. So Mm -hmm. 
one of one of the reasons why I value this friendship so much is she is my bullshit meter. <laughs> Ditto. It goes both ways. Seriously. Yeah. Like I, awesome. I've got no problem saying, hey, I've got this idea. Let me talk to you. Or I'm in my feels about something. And she'll be like, so you're having a bitch moment. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, asshole, check me. What happened? Yeah. And <laughs> you can't do that with the average person. Even, no, even within true. leather. Right? No, but I think it's it important. I really do. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it's pivotal to have these people in your life yeah. that can literally look at you and go, you're being an asshole and you need to chill out. I mean, and, and then it, and you actually stop and you're like, okay, yeah, well, all right. They're right. <laughs> I mean, zoom in on the salty okay. fucker nickname. Like I, <laughs> I have not, I don't think I've sugarcoated the fact that I am an asshole for somewhere in excess of 25 years, but it means that I own it. And I recognize that's not always healthy just because I'm owning right. it. Right. So I do right. check myself and I do have, it is important to have those people because you do need that in your life just to keep you just that little bit humble when you're on top of it. It's like, no, oh, nope, I'm being a dumbass. I need to calm down. <laughs> absolutely. And it makes no, sense so I, after that. <laughs> I just, uh, I took, I took my, my, uh, my path and how I got there. And um, I still think that I'm on a, unconventional path in leather because I don't necessarily surround myself with leather in my community. Um, I do volunteer at my local dungeon. I do teach. Um, I, I do involve myself with leather folks, but I've kind of been very open about the fact that especially in the community that I'm in, I'm in central Florida. Right. Um, the community that I am in is very kink heavy, not lifestyle heavy. Right. And so I have adopted this leather path of I'm the leather person with kinky people so that if leather gets brought up and it is something that is brought up in the munches or in the classes or at the dungeon or wherever we are, I want to be able to be a person that they go, oh, I know somebody like that. Rue is leather. Right. And so I want to, even though I don't surround myself with other people, I want to try to be the example of what people think of when they hear the word. Right. So that it's more approachable and doesn't seem like this big, scary, straight, old yes. white man. Well, especially <laughs> considering it didn't even start with straight white males. Um, exactly. But exactly. it's the kind of thing, like, I've always said at the end of the day, it's not about who you are in leather with others. It's about who you are for you in leather. Right. Be the person in leather that you are looking to be, regardless of who else is around you. Cause I've right. had similar issues because of the way I've moved around the country where mm -hmm. like in Idaho, COVID dried up the community so hard. It's like a salt Lake. No, no puns <laughs> or joke references intended. <laughs> like it's dead here. So my closest leather community is further West on the coast. And right now, the Pacific Northwest is very strongly gay leather, mm -hmm. and they are very politically strong against hetero leather in any capacity right now for a variety mm -hmm. of reasons. And unfortunately, it's been messy on both sides, but I try to stay away mm -hmm. from it because I'm not looking to stir the pot. Like, I have my opinions on the subject, and it's one of those things we may talk about one day or even today, but it's not a I hate gay leather. I think they're wrong for I can see both sides and realize they both have issues. And part of mm -hmm. it is they don't truly both understand both sides of the equation. And they don't want to. Most of the mm -hmm. way. That's true. 
Yeah, it's very true. You know. Yeah, so I I've just grown very comfortable being the leather person in a kinky environment. Yeah. And uh, some and it has sparked a lot of good conversations that I don't think normally would have taken place because they right. wouldn't have had anybody to have it with. And it's actually gotten people interested in it. And um, so, yeah, so I'm, I'm okay with my, my little unconventional path right now. Hell yeah. And I think that's, that's something we try to, we try to harp on it. And it's that sense of security and that sense of authenticity to yourself. Yes. Because to me, that's the biggest point about leather. It's not about trying to fit into a group. It's about finding your home. Because to me, when you start identifying as leather, and I know Rue's going to laugh at me for this because I've only just recently <laughs> been open about it. Um, when you start identifying as leather, it should feel like you're slipping on your favorite leather glove or your favorite yes. boot. Like it's, it's home. It shouldn't be, oh my God, I have to change myself. Mm-hmm. Because no. you shouldn't, the only reason why you should be changing yourself is because you have qualities in yourself that you know need to be changed. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, to me... Leather isn't completely selfless. You know well, what I mean? No, because it I can't be. It shouldn't be. Not for it to be healthy I, and have it be the impactful. The very nature of what it was meant to be in the first place is at least partially self-serving. Like, it's it's yeah. give and take, like anything. Mm-hmm. It's literally a form of power exchange for yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, Honestly, and, that's, <laughs> I like that thought. It's, yeah, it's accurate I, I because you're not that. just taking for... It's not just giving into the community you're trying to be a part of if you're being a part of one at the moment. It's about what right. you're taking back from it in a healthy way as well. Because mm-hmm. you, can be, well, self- you it... can be selfish and healthy. There is such a thing. It's called being ethical about what you take. Yes. Absolutely. And I, and I tell people uh, when I have to do introductions for whatever it is I'm doing, I tell people, you know, I will identify as leather first. I will say I am a leather dominant or leather dame before I use it the other way around mm-hmm. because I want people in my community to hold me to those standards. Right. I want you to know that I'm leather because if I, if I screw up or I step out of line or I do something that, um, isn't that doesn't meet those those sense of respect and integrity um i want you to look at me and be like i thought you said you were leather you know i, oh, I want yeah. you to do that yeah <laughs> absolutely and so that's my absolutely. way of you know pulling back what i need from the community is by leading with that so that you don't have to be leather to call me on my shit I, I, I want you to, whether you are or not. No, I 100% appreciate that. I, my journey is an odd one myself because I started in structured pansexual leather, which is already in and of itself a rarity because that is not the norm, <laughs> especially at the turn of the century. I still hate having to say that. <laughs> right. I know you both yeah, understand, right. but oh God, it hurts. They're <laughs> old. <laughs> I refuse. As long as I can crack a whip and not snap a hip, I'm good. Uh, (laughs) I can't say that. I can't say that. Fuck off. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. (laughs) My joints are still like butter, so yeah. Fair enough. um, But my journey started there, and then because I was married to a vanilla person for an ungodly, unhealthy amount of time, now that I know better, I didn't then, of course. When I came back to the community, I came back to the community 
post the swipe culture phase, past Fifty Shades, pa- I bearing in mind the last time I was in the community before about five six years ago was before Fifty Shades came out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I was attending live community parties and MIRC was barely a thing for people who were active in the community because they didn't need it. Because it didn't provide them anything at that point. It was for those people who couldn't get anything else. And the internet, of course, back then wasn't exactly what it is today either, but we're, that's neither here nor there for this. Yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting how I immediately started identifying as leather, and I'm so grateful that I did. Because unfortunately, my journey in the online community has led to several quote-unquote OG pretenders. Um, Knox knows at least one of the ones I refer to, because unfortunately <laughs> we dealt with them here. We won't get into that. We're not here to shit on people directly. Well, two. yes, <clears throat> kind of hand in hand, but we're we're not trying to name mm-hmm. shame or anything here right now. True That's true. not part yeah. of the story. That's not part of the story. Right. But <laughs> people who were talk like they were OG or, you know, old leather or old guard, which especially back then, old guard was still a myth for some people. It still is. It, scarily enough, because I, I still point out, I'm like, do some research. There's no old guard. <laughs> there is, but there's not. And I like messing people up with that because it makes them have to go look it up. Um, <laughs> being the leather person who's not sitting there going after those people and shitting on them, but actively just being myself as a leather person from the old days and showing what it's supposed to look like and making them look like what they are. Because that's needed. That community point of, I look like what I'm supposed to. So guys who are mm-hmm. talking out their ass to get some or take mm-hmm. advantage of a title they don't actually deserve, because unfortunately online is like that. Mm. Any community online, it doesn't matter if it's kinky or not, everywhere it exists. It's just the nature of the beast. That's true. But it's exceptionally egregious in our community because it's a place that doesn't really have room for it more so than even out there. Mm-hmm. So to just actively be a part of the community by just being myself and walking the walk that I believe I should be to the best of my ability and letting those actions speak for themselves. And I had people who would come up to me even in my first couple of years of getting my feet wet online who would approach me privately and ask about old guard or ask about leather or my own roots as a result because they caught the way I carried on about things in the kink community. You know, they do topic discussions in some server and I'd go on for a paragraph and a half, you know. <laughs> yeah. I'm not nearly as bad as some. It's easy to do. But I am one of those who will happily rant about the topic because, as I've said numerous times on this podcast, fe- education in kink is one of my fetishes. Like, straight <laughs> up. I am here to give you the damn toolbox. Let me give it to you. I mean... Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And see, and I admire, I admire what you, what you two do, because I still, I still am not comfortable diving a hundred percent into the online format like that. Uh, I find it very difficult for me to engage in a lot of the discussions that I see online because I deal so much in person with volunteering and and working at the dungeon and teaching that Mm -hmm. if you can't make the effort to come out to where we are (laughs) i've got other people i'm working with and i totally respect that mentality and and that and i don't 
I, I personally don't have a lot of time. I only have so many mental spoons. Right. So the idea of bending my wheels, trying to teach somebody who might not even really care. They're just online to stir shit up or they're just online because they're bored. Like I don't, I, it's hard for me to see and differentiate who really has a true investment in learning and who's, who's just using this as uh, a different form of TikTok or a different form of Instagram for them, where it's easy for me to differentiate that with people I'm physically in front of and can see what they're doing. So I, I do try to get involved with some of the online discussions, but it's really difficult for me. It's, I, I will say for me, online can be very daunting simply because there's so much lost in text, text communication, right? That too, yes. So with, with online culture being what it is, you've also got all the false bravado kind of crap. Um, because what what people text and like what they say doesn't always match necessarily who they really are, especially in a physical space. Mm-hmm. And I think for, for those of us, especially the three of us here, um, we've all been in physical spaces. So we actually know the difference. We can see through a lot of that bullshit real quick. Um, yes. And it does change our tone with people online. You know, mm-hmm. what I, one of the things I get all the time is, oh, you're so serious, Knox. And I'm like, because I know how many people read everything online and then they finally work up the courage to step into a play space and they realize no jack shit. Yeah. And that light bulb going off to me is the reward. They need to see that. It's the ones that don't have the light bulb go off that are terrifying, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So to me, doing the, the online social media push, doing, you know, all the online engagement and stuff, I see it as like another form of outreach and another way of instilling the community that I want. Because I want an educated community. I want a safe community. I want a transparent community. Mm -hmm. And I'm only going to get that if I put that effort out there. I'm not going to get it if I don't put the effort. You know what I mean? So Yeah, that makes absolute sense. Yeah. And and I do know, like, especially through the pandemic, you couldn't get out and go anywhere because there was no places to go. Mm -hmm. You know, munches didn't happen. Sloshes didn't happen. Play spaces you couldn't get into. And so online became the only community that you had. And now especially what I'm seeing, people are finally foraying back into the real world. And mm-hmm. you've got so many people that came into kink during COVID because they finally had the time to research. They finally had the ability to connect, you know, especially as more people move to the online yes. platforms. So for me, this has become part of my path. Yeah. yeah. Because, you know, I feel, I do feel like I am giving back to the community. I do feel like I have valuable insight and knowledge I don't think I'm an expert. I don't think I'm the end all be all of all things kinky by any stretch, but (laughs) I do feel that other people can learn from, well, but seriously, right? Like I feel like people can learn from my missteps and my fuck ups and things that have been painful growth patterns for me and potentially avoid those pitfalls. You know what I mean? Or, Mm -hmm. or they'll see something within, in my journey, the more that I share it and they realize, wow, leather actually does apply to me. It's not some weird ethereal thing out there of people that I can't touch or people that I can't access. Like really people don't understand how much of this stuff is right in front of them. And they just never knew who the people were and they didn't Mm -hmm. know that they could ask questions. Now that was the biggest problem for me. I didn't realize that I could even ask. I thought these were people that you could not approach because it was a closed group. 
yeah. I thought that, you know, these, these were all people that were firmly established in their power dynamics. And so to have a new person, it's like Looney Tunes. Hey, Spike. Hey, Spike. You know, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I didn't want to be that guy. And not just that you couldn't ask, but you couldn't right. question. And to me, that was a big differentiation is they like some of the people I was around, they didn't mind that you asked questions, but don't question them. Don't question the why. And I'm a why person. Like, why are you doing that? Because that's how I learn. But but, but why do you do this? But why is it like that? But has it always been that? But why? But why? And that was one of the biggest um, barriers that I had with leather was... They don't mind you asking questions, but don't question them. And so I try to be very conscientious of the, ask me why. I'll tell you why. You know, I do this because of this, or this exists because of this. And, and so I try to, I try to be conscientious of that as well. Absolutely. See, and that's That's a huge one too. I always find it ironic because when I came back to kink and I came back to it online at first, because I was in Minnesota who I, I had been there for a grand total of two years. I knew nobody cause I hadn't touched into the community until then. So I had turned to of all things like kick thanks to other things, but I at least am grateful I had that. Cause as silly as that damn app is, it plugged me into the Minnesota community, which is probably one of the few big ones out there. Like ironically, we three have had experience with the three major districts other than New York that really yeah. have a large following because central Florida is a big one. always has mm-hmm. been LA Southern, you know, Southern California, Northern California, but especially Southern and Minnesota have all been huge for the community as centers at many places. They don't get to have that. Mm-hmm. And so when I came back to the online community of Minnesota, which I had never been a part of, I was so grateful. Mm-hmm. That's where I ended up. Yeah. But learning how to package all of my experience in live spaces only into an online environment, as someone who was not a part of it, did not follow Collar Space and FetLife, and <laughs> I wasn't involved in any of that till well after they were developed. So I was packing old school knowledge and living experiences into an online space where I could talk about it to people who would never have understood it unless they've been there. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. doesn't do me any good to talk to them like they know wouldn't understand it because that doesn't accomplish anything for either of us. True. So by breaking it down for myself and learning how to reconstruct the way I see things from my past versus current and having had both now on both ends of that spectrum, thank God, where I've had both live and online experiences now on both ends of that pool. And I find that the stories like what you guys are just talking about where a lot of the people who were online who were OG in any real sense were very gatekeepy, which is part of the stereotype and all the myths that we talk about with it. And unfortunately Mm -hmm. there were a lot of those people, people from my leather generation that were very much up in their hill houses beating on each other (laughs) and acted all high and mighty about it. And immediately in my head, I'm like, you can't really call yourselves leather anymore the same way. Mm-hmm. You're not being honest. I mean, fuck the rest of it and all the other parts, good and bad. You're not being honest. And that's the part I had the problem with. And I even ran into that, you know, 
I would say within the last 10 years in the central Florida area is I came, I lived in the Alabama area for six and a half years I ended up having to start a community because one didn't exist um, locally. <laughs> and so the sister communities that surrounded us were very leather heavy, which, you know, was part of the people that I gravitated towards. Right. And they, they were a little, you know, that old school, you know, you can ask questions, but don't question us kind of thing. Just yep. sit down and listen. You'll learn. But My word is the one true way. The, exactly. That <laughs> one right there. It and so when I, <laughs> when I came to Orlando thinking how huge and how many resources were here in the yeah. central Florida area, I was very shocked at how closed off the leather community at the time seemed. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, there's so many of you. Yeah. Like there's so much to do, but it was almost like if you weren't already established with them, regardless of your age or experience, yeah. Yeah. you weren't invited to the things you didn't get to be a part of. Like there would be leather ceremonies that you didn't even know existed until after they were done. See. And I was just amazed at like, you have all these resources, you have all these people, you have all these things Physically at your fingertips. Why are we not utilizing this? Mm-hmm. See, and that's why I find it so hurtful because that is my generational group. That is my leather group. Literally, is Central Orlando. Ironically, all three of us were in that section in yeah. different <laughs> time frames. But that's, those gatekeepy fucks are part of the groups I used to be a part of, and I have to say <laughs> it that way because it's offensive. Yeah. Because the whole po- how do you have a community if it doesn't get passed on? Exactly. End of story. Like the rest of that discussion is all semantics after that. How do they learn if no one's teaching them anything? Mm -hmm. Get off your high horse. Have a little humility to realize that if you don't pass it on, what do you got? Mm -hmm. One of the the issues that I ran into, and and I know Rue's going to snort when I say this. (laughs) I'm so So, glad this is not video. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe one day, but not yet. (laughs) Oh, no one's ready to see me without. Oh, boy. Well, I mean, it wouldn't be without warning either way. So, yeah, yeah, no, hell no. So so when I finally started embracing the fact that I wanted to learn more about leather and I wanted to actually engage leather folk, my start with it was not good. Um, I unfortunately met a lot of very toxic leather folk. And so. Mm My view of leather was horribly skewed for the first five, six years. Mm -hmm. Um, It was horribly, horribly skewed. And I know that now. At the time, I was like, wow, so this is what it means. Okay. And I, because I didn't have anything else to base it on, right? I knew, I knew it was not necessarily my path, but I felt like I have to walk this other path and follow in their footsteps to figure out my path. Right. And then I'll be able to branch out and do me, right? And that was the mindset that kind of actually kept me going because I, the first group that I interacted with was heterosexual leather. And then I got embedded in gay leather. And so I was around men and learning about leather from men. Yeah. And two covered masters specifically. And I will not say that that education was all bad because it wasn't. Um, yeah, bad examples are still examples, but 
I also did learn some valuable skills in regards to BDSM. Mm -hmm. So I, I kind of got both, right? Because I got a really good BDSM foundation. I got a lot of hands-on skill building things. I, I got very proficient in a lot of kinks very, very quickly in different play styles. Yeah. But the other downside of it and the thing that a lot of people don't like talking about because god forbid you besmirch the elders um i got to see firsthand the inability to vet someone who claimed to be old guard mm -hmm. and so what ended up happening is is finding these other masters that were 60 70 and up claiming to be old guard clearly had lived through some shit because they were active during the Stonewall days. They were active during the AIDS pandemic. Yeah. Um, so they did have lived experiences that I felt were very valid. The same token, you couldn't vet them or do anything to find out about them because everyone that they claimed to have learned from had died. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they also reinforced the, what I'll call generational passing of leather it doesn't actually exist, especially in heterosexual circles. No. Mm -hmm. And it really wasn't until I'll say, I'll actually, it's probably the last two to three years when I've met other, what I'll say, old guard leather folk, you know, that are, I'll say 55 and up, right? That were around a lot of these um, trendsetters. I don't want to call it trendsetters. That's not accurate because it's not trendy. But these groundbreaking people that really solidified the leather lifestyle for everyone. Yeah. You know, regardless of their sexuality and, and really not so much as, you know, hey, recruit the masses, but more of we're not backing down. Yeah. I got to see exactly how toxic the people I had been learning from really were. It made mm -hmm. me appreciate other folks a lot better. Yeah. You know, um, and I was better able to see why certain leather groups fell apart. I was able to see why certain leather houses fell apart, yeah. why you had the ebbs and flows of title holders and how some titles meant nothing yeah. mm -hmm. you know, and how some yeah. people were in it just to get the title, but not actually do service or not do any mm -hmm. kind of education. They it was, just a, it was more of a, it's a pageant crown, not a, absolutely. yeah, yeah. absolutely. This is a conversation so, Knox and I had not long ago, actually. <laughs> Oh God. Yeah. Cause I fucking can't stand it. You're right. Um, Cause I see, I see it a lot well, and it's like the more you try to find educators, especially leather folk who educate, yeah. you run more into that pageantry and I, I just don't fucking care. Yeah. I would There's rather no learn somebody who's at this point. You being a title holder doesn't tell me anything about you. You being a title holder right now tells me that you were able to give a really good speech, give a great scene in front of a bunch of people, and answered a lot of good interview questions well. Exactly. Exactly. And I've met several people who embody that exact thing. I like I have actually met people who won titles simply because they showed up and were the best looking in the room. I yes. I in Sadly. the last three months have met somebody who received a tie a leather title and didn't go to the event with the intention of running. They were recruited at the event wow. to run. And they ended up winning the title. I, I know somebody here who won a title because they happened to be a good looking man at a bar. Hmm? And the leathermen around him were like this guy. 
fucking that mm-hmm. guy because they wanted to fuck him. Mm-hmm. And so he got the title. They paraded him around like a prized cock and then found out he was straight. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And it was like, well, joke's on you. <laughs> and it's, it's this what you get for not knowing who the fuck you're dealing with. I was, you know, our household was one of the only pansexual households at that time period that actually was functional. And it's because it wasn't run by hetero. It was, you know, as I've said before, it was run by an old master from San Francisco from like the 60s. You know, I didn't find out till much later that part of that was a very hard argument between him and another member who was hetero is why they started becoming pansexual because they were not at first, even five years before I joined. So it became this very interesting thing where I didn't even know that mattered. Because the way we were indoctrinated was just our household rules are ours. They were very clear that that doesn't mean that everybody practiced the same way. And we've talked about that here before. Mm-hmm. Where you can go to two different houses inside of five feet of each other and they'll have different rules. And that's just the mm-hmm. nature of leather. It's free form that way. Right. So... I didn't expect everybody else's views to be like mine when I went out there. But to find how uncommon it was, at least at that junction, not just to be pansexual, as a pansexual man in general, not even straight hetero, right. but the the views were so heavily politically edged. And I won't get into all those semantics right this second because I have extremely strong opinions about them. And I'm not trying to shit on anyone or start a, a flame with right. somebody I'm not yeah. even knowing about. But I have very strong views about the, the economic part of leather and being OG versus today and why there's so yeah. many issues with it. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. most of those issues rest in the seniors, not the youngins. Not saying the youngins don't have their own flaws, because of course they do. They're young. We've all been there. We know why we're stupid at that age. Now, I understand why they don't. But that doesn't change the fact that they're trying to enter a a cultural society that isn't letting them in Mm -hmm. and doesn't understand why it's dying. There was an article. It wasn't even recently. It was like about five, six years ago now. It was in the, The Guardian, mind you. This was London. English leather. Not even American leather. And there was a major article in The Guardian, one of their major news articles, about the dying of gay leather and why the clubs were all drying up. And that was in London, mind you. That wasn't even here in America, where it's even more fractured. Wow. And this was years Which ago now. Sad. It was it was a major article in a major news periodical. You know, <laughs> that says a mm-hmm. lot. And here, mm-hmm. you don't even know about it unless you're already involved in it because of the nature of how America views things and how we communicate with each other and don't, which is the bigger issue. Well, and I think that also goes, I think that also is a product of a trend that I'm noticing um, with the with the newer people. And I won't say younger because it's newer, yeah. regardless of age, with the newer people coming into the community is it's living, it's in from my from my perspective it's losing its sense of lifestyle and becoming kink yes, yes. and i think because we are losing our sense of lifestyle one of the byproducts of it is going to be you're going to lose um identifications that solely exist yep. based on lifestyle and not just i'm going to kink on friday nights from 5 to 8 
Well, and the hurtful <laughs> part of it is it's literally a byproduct of their own actions. Because mm-hmm. it's it's a thing where they're letting it happen by being they're sitting up in their houses wherever they are, and they're comfortable with the five people they still know because half of them are already dead or are dying mm-hmm. in many cases at this point, and they're holding on to that, and they're not communicating with the outside community at all. Mm-hmm. So there's like dozens of these little pockets of old OG leather people who were not even bothering to acknowledge the existence of even people from my group generation, no matter where I came from, it just, it's separated. You don't communicate. There's a wall up now. Mm-hmm. Well, so and because literally of that operating from our generational group down. Yeah. And mm-hmm. because of that, especially, I mean, not that, I mean, COVID has had his, has created its own challenges post COVID yes. worse. So beyond the challenges that COVID has created in this lifestyle at all, now you have people coming into this lifestyle post-COVID that have spent two years doing nothing but online research, having Mm -hmm. no real life experience, and they're coming into the spaces and going to the munches and going to these places, and they don't see them anymore. Yeah. So if they don't see them, they don't know to ask for it. It doesn't exist. It's not anything that they can go, oh, what's that? Because the the leather communities are not coming back out amongst the open public post-COVID. Yes. They don't want to come out. No. And so if they're not out, there's nothing for these newer people in the community to see, to even question it, to even want to have the conversations. All they're seeing is the kink side, the play side. They're not seeing the dynamics anymore, either because dynamics fell through over COVID and people haven't rebuilt them yet, or because, I mean, that's just what's inundating the public domain right now is the kink stuff. Yeah. It's, well, and it's, it's a having result. a significant, yeah, it's having a significant influence on the lifestyle. It absolutely and I, is. And of course it would. Well, but one of the things that I've noticed too, is because people, and, and, and I say people broadly, because it's not just people newer to kink. No, it's, it's even within some folks that have been within kink a very long time. There's a lot of confusion between identifying as a leather person and then being a leather fetishist. Yes. And so, and that's where a lot of, I think, the gray area starts coming in because what they see is a lot of leather clad people mm-hmm. and they automatically go, okay, they're into BDSM. They don't understand that you can be leather and not be kinky. Right. Or that you can be leather mm-hmm. and not identify as BDSM. You just happen to hang out in those circles because that's where your family is. See, what I find the most interesting about that is we have the gay leather community was amazing in keeping as much of their history alive as they could and preserved and written down. So you can trace gay leather history all the way back to the, its origins in World War II in America. Like, we have really good roots there that we can trace back mm-hmm. to where it really became organized in any sense, beyond, like, a handful of people in a small room that they hope nobody noticed. Because uh, <laughs> I have no doubt that shit was happening, but there was no organization, of course. Uh but there is a history of hetero leather that most people don't even know exists because we're dumbasses and many of them just didn't bother to keep track because of where they came from. 
It's not mm-hmm. inaccurate. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not at all. <laughs> so I understand why. But it means that you have this this wall up between so many different parts. And I don't think anyone of those that are being gatekeepy at my age group, let's leave it at that. Because mm-hmm. I hate using it that way because we're all within similar ages. But you know what I mean in the sense of my leather generation was a very specific odd mix and three quarters of them are still gatekeepy as fuck and it hurts me to see that because i'm like you of all people should understand how fractured leather is to begin with it's a blessing Mm -hmm. and a curse but it's meant to be that way it's the way we like it but with that comes a cost because it means someone entering the kink scene for the first time is seeing the only leather they have exposure to. Because you can't, and God knows I've harped on this, and Knox has heard me blue in the face about this so many times. There's nothing on the internet for people coming into kink, really. And it's starting to get there now in like the last two years because of COVID. But even then, a lot of it's fractured, misinformed, Mm -hmm. opinionated. And unfortunately, that means there still needs to be context, which can't Mm -hmm. be provided online. Because otherwise people are going to hurt themselves. And that Mm kind of defeats the point. (laughs) Unless that's what you want. That's a whole different conversation, obviously. But that's the problem, though, is they don't understand that they're missing that component. Exactly. Because I, like, I, I mean, I could go on a whole rant about the fucked up fet life messages I get. (laughs) But, uh, I'm sorry. Dark (laughs) Facebook. Um, but, But, no, seriously, I, I see it. Partially because I do manage a physical play space, right? Right. Um, but, I mean, I see it constantly. I, I just got a message yesterday, actually. I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. This motherfucker messaged me yesterday. And and I say this motherfucker because <laughs> I just didn't fucking get it. It starts off with, I will say this. He started off well. Hi, I read your profile. Bonus points. You fucking read it. <laughs> and, you know, I'm very interested in leather. I would like to learn more. And then he blows it on the end of the message. Oh, no. I can't wait to serve you, mistress. Uh, yeah. And uh, I was like, so that I respond back with, because you know, I always, I'm always hopeful, right? I'm always hopeful. Somebody just, <laughs> Maybe he just doesn't know. Right. right. I'm hoping you just, you, you're not, you weren't caffeinated. Like, yeah, right. I'm <laughs> Maybe you just didn't know you needed to be taught about it. Like, exactly. please so see I write back. <laughs> so I write back and I was like, so. It's awesome that you're wanting to explore leather. Can you explain to me what research you've done on your own so far? Mm-hmm. His response Alex, made me block him. His response made me block him. Oh, jeez. Uh, I've watched a lot of porn, so I know what I'm getting into. God. <laughs> but see, this is when I talk about, I, I refer to them as surface feeders because it's where people dip into the pool. Yeah. But the harem groups, the online kick groups, the auction groups, yeah. and the, yep. And unfortunately, all of these, just like that, the commercialized part of things and everything, unfortunately, is so many people's first exposure. Whether we like mm-hmm. it or not, it's there. And whether we like it or not, it's part of the community because that's what they think is part of the community when they come. Mm-hmm. So when we get them, if they're lucky enough to fall into a place like the Chateau or another similar place with some decent educational space, right. which is still uncommon even online, ironically enough. Yep. It's important 
to be able to t- teach them in a way that they don't think we're telling them they're stupid because that's not the goal. Okay. It's not you're wrong, therefore you don't know anything, you must have been an idiot. No, it's not like that. It's you came from a very misinformed place. And we know we that. want you to be able to play safe and have fun and not mm-hmm. misunderstand someone who does. Because we want you to be part of the community here at the bottom of the lake. It's nice and dark here. We have fun. Mm-hmm. And we want everyone <laughs> here in the dark spaces where the water's we live, fine. Right? The water's nice. <laughs> you know? It's warm here. Right. It's toasty. <laughs> and <laughs> and one of us has peed. And periodically, we do have cookies. So, right. I mean, it's, it's a win-win. <laughs> we have cookies and cuddles and all kinds of awesome shit. All kinds of you, awesome you shit. You just yeah. have to cross the filter. And the yeah. filter is simply being willing to recognize where the differences are for your safety as well as others. And that's really mm-hmm. what the barometer is. It's nothing more deep than that. It's not where you a dom already. It's not how much money do you have. It's... Do you recognize that what you know already may not be everything you need to know? Because they may learn something at that level. And I don't want to pretend like they can't learn anything. But most of what they learn is so fractured in a way that even leather can't help. Yeah. That you can do so much. And it's not just porn. And here's where I think that we are like behind the eight ball a little bit. I'm not going to say completely, but like. We, it's almost like you can never coast. You are always, people, especially the two of you, are always having to work so hard. Is It's not just porn that's doing it to these people. It's TikTok. It's yep. Instagram. It's any other platform that any person who claims they know things can put out content. And if you're cute enough or popular enough or have the right body or personal enough for people to want to follow you, now you're the expert. We'll see. Mm-hmm. And it's a case where that just means that, you know, kink talk is yet another location that whether we like it or not, like mm-hmm. I know people who personally take an active interest in being part of that to mm-hmm. bring good information to the pool. And that's but, really the, what you but do. Unfortunately, you... But unfortunately for the people who don't know the difference between good and bad, yep. they start looking exactly like the people who are bad. Right. And then it, how do you differentiate without like being the total asshole and calling out the people that are bad by name? How, like, how, so this would be a legitimate question, even for the online presence that you two are, are vastly more better at than I am, <laughs> is how do you... How do you present the information in a format that makes you reliable enough that people want to learn from you, but sets you apart from everybody else who's saying things, but maybe in the wrong way, but on a screen, not in person. So for me, it's relatability, honestly, like, like for me, so like, okay, I'll use myself as the example here. <laughs> I'm always the bad example. Um, You're not the only one. So I, so for me personally, obviously, a straight male dominant is not going to relate to me the same way as a dame. God, I hope right. not. Um, but yeah. No, <laughs> I mean, I mean, but quite truthfully, even even though like we may have common ground where we both identify as sadists and things like that, right. and I say that because I've had these interactions. That started online and moved to the physical space, right? Right. And 
people meet me online because they, you know, oh, you're part of a dom-dom couple. Oh, that sounds so hot. I would love to know how your dynamic works. Like, how the <laughs> hell do you stay married? How do you fuck? Like, we get all those questions, right? And then they start talking to me and they have this idea of, of how I should be based on who they are, yeah. right? It's always it's always predicated on whatever your mindset is, your, your prejudices and everything else. So then we meet in the physical play space and... It usually is an eye-opener for some folks because they're like, well, holy shit, you don't operate at all like I thought you did. You know, I figured you you were more of this type of dame because you, online, you seem like the sadistic uber bitch because you have these crazy ideas for scenes and you're always talking about this, you know, high-level, in-depth shit. And then they realize, wow, I'm like a real person. I have a vanilla job. Like, I've got a family. <laughs> right? Like, yeah, I like doing, you know, sure, if I could live a day in Queen Snakes, bedroom i would be fucking content i can't be fair you know not many people can handle that as much as my little brain can do all those things that she's thought of because i'm like fuck yeah sister i'm with you mm -hmm. you know to find bottoms that are down for that are kind of few and far between so sure i can dream we have all sorts of crazy sadistic shit doesn't mean i'm out there doing the things right mm -hmm. okay? and so when i do try to educate or relate to other people I have to bust through that stereotype first, especially being a woman. You know, it's I, because I've watched male dominant counterparts that I'm friends with when they teach classes and they don't have to qualify where they got their knowledge. They don't have to qualify mm -hmm. how they know something. It's yep. I have, I have penis. Therefore I have knowledge that you should want. Whereas oh, when I walk into right. a room, I'm trying to educate or I walk into a room virtually right online I have to qualify why you should listen to me. Mm -hmm. It's total bullshit and it's total sexism. And mm -hmm. but you have to understand it to countermand it. Yes. So, and I think that's the key is when doing it online. I, I literally tell people, go go perv my fet and come back. Let me know if you feel that I'm somebody you can learn from. If the answer is no, have a great day. I'm not the person for you. Mm -hmm. You don't want to exchange ideas. You don't want to converse. I'm cool with that because I don't want to waste my time on you either. Yep. That's not fulfilling to me. Right. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm allowed to say no. I'm allowed to yes. tell people I'm not going to mentor you. I'm allowed to tell people I'm not willing to talk about these subjects with you. I don't have the bandwidth or I don't have the capacity. I'm fully okay. It doesn't make me a bitch. It doesn't mean that I'm less of an educator. No. It means that I've got healthy boundaries for myself. And see, this is the most important part of that is it's, you know, it's not the difference between that and being a gatekeeper is you are still, we're still doing like we're doing right now, this podcast where we're trying to still bring information to people. We're not leaving it in the dark because we don't have the mental energy to take a one-on-one -on -one person on a constant basis, especially mm -hmm. those that are going to be draining because yes. they're not actually healthy people themselves for themselves. And I'm at I'm a point in my life, I no longer vampires. have the energy to burn into somebody that way. Never mm -hmm. mind. It would be one thing if I was single and had nothing better to do all the time, maybe. But mm -hmm. I'm not. I have a family. I have a real job. I work crazy hours. I make shit happen. You know, on top of everything else, like an admin on this server, running a podcast, blah, 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 blah. Just being My thing leather. is this. <laughs> I, shouldn't, I shouldn't have to work harder than you do to teach you something. No. Oh my. Yes, exactly. Right? I mean, because and that's and that goes for online as well. Because mm -hmm. in a physical class, as we've all taught them, you have you have those two or three people 
they're genuinely engaged, so they're peppering you with questions. And, and you can tell that's a genuine thing because they're engaged. They're asking mm -hmm. good questions about what you're talking. They're asking for clarification or where they can go for further information, things like that, right? Those are the people I care about. People that I don't tend to care as much about and whether or not they got anything out of my lecture is the people that are like, either you're wrong because A, B, C, D, interaction mm -hmm. that I have. They try to right? poke holes in everything you have to say. Well, it's, it's more, it's not even poking holes. They try to absolutely negate your experiences. And I always yeah. preface every lecture I have or every class I have with, these are based on my experiences. Yours mm -hmm. may not be the same. It doesn't mean that mine are wrong, that you're wrong. It just means we've interacted differently. You know, all I can tell you is from my point of view, here's what my reality has been. And here's what I've had to do to go expand my horizons. That's all I can do. Mm -hmm. It's up to you to say, you know what? I'd like to have some of those same resources or, you know what? I'm nothing like you. I can't relate to you. So this doesn't apply to me. Mm -hmm. I'm fine with either of those, but don't, yeah. <laughs> don't waste my time and become an energy vampire because I, and I have these people, they slide into my DMS on the server. Hey, I'd like to have a conversation with you about leather. Okay, great. What are you curious about? Well, I'm curious like about the history. Okay. Here's a laundry list of really good books and articles and stuff for you to start sifting through. And then if you have questions, come back. They're like, no, no, no. I want you to tell me. Well, no, now you're just lazy and I'm not fucking doing it. Right. I had to read all of these things. I had to go beg and ask people, you know, for resources. You know, I, I was in your shoes and you know what? I did the hard work. I did the heavy lifting because I wanted to know. Nobody has an obligation to educate me. Right. That's the key, I think. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's the kind of shit I've spent far too many years in my A&B at this point. Not even about shitting on my age. Just I've spent way too long where I've spent an ungodly amount of hours having to be the guy dragging another guy's nose in it for treating a girl like she's not qualified to be a dom. Mm -hmm. Because she doesn't have a dick. Mm -hmm. And I shouldn't have... Ne I feel bad just talking about it because I don't even like the fact that I had to be that guy for it to even have an effect. That it took guys like me doing that. Because that should have never been a go... That should never have to have existed. I shouldn't have to be a go-between. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't be involved. No, but you do. But but here's... I will say this. But you do. Because right. when it and comes to behaviors like this, it does take... <laughs> like, I'm sorry. It does take another man calling out sexism to a man before they go, oh shit, that's probably not yeah. okay. Oh yeah. Because if a woman does it, it's not the same. Well, and no. that's it's where like my when problem women is. act shitty. It shouldn't have to be. But it's like that with women too. Like in, in a lot of circles, you know, especially as a Dame, I've watched other Dames have really horrible fucking behavior. Like actively engage in consent violations and things like that. And I myself can't sit there in good faith and not say something because one that means I'm no better than she is. Mm -hmm. And two, I don't want whatever person they're engaging with to think that that's normal behavior. And I've seen this at femdom events, which is why I don't go to a lot of femdom events because I think these women's behavior is fucking atrocious. Now, mm -hmm. I understand that a lot of men, you know, are, are desperate for play because femdoms are in larger demand than yes. male subs, right? Because that's the typical power imbalance is, is female dominant male subs. For me personally, I have watched so many dames 
engage in absolutely abhorrent, belittling, humiliating, and just unnecessarily nasty behavior just because they hate men. That's yeah. not mm-hmm. why you become a dominant. No. no. And they, and so it's, it. not just that, it's not oh. just that they hate men, but then they use their parties and their play spaces to, to perpetuate that. Yeah. And they use it, they, they hide behind, this is where I get angry about it, is don't tarnish the femdom name because you hate men. Just because this is how you feel and how you choose to, to manifest it doesn't mean that that should be the only experience. That's not what femdom is supposed to look like. But because these are the only people hosting events, and these are the only people doing things, it becomes, oh, well, this must be what I have to tell. It teaches these male submissives, oh, this must be how I have to be treated in order to get their attention. And that's and the thing. must be the norm. And it's that's like, why, no, it's That's not. why it takes us calling them out on it when we yeah. see it. Just like, I'm sorry, men have to call out other men when they see bullshit no, behavior. And yeah, we I, as, as dames have to do it with each other as well. And mm-hmm. to me, it's compounded when you move into the leather sphere. Because mm-hmm. I have seen covered masters absolutely use their titles to abuse those around them. You know, and, and it, it was not an easy thing for me to, one, call them out and then step away from it because... These were people that I were I was looking up to at the time. These right. were people that I thought, man, they have import. They have social currency. They have all this standing. Who am I to question their methodology, right? Right. Because yeah. you, you always feel the inferior one in that kind of a dynamic. And so it wasn't until I took that step away that I found other leather folk started coming to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because they were like, oh, so now that you're away from that fuck, let's have a real conversation if you're still curious about these things. And I was like, well, where the fuck were you three years ago when I needed you? Uh Now, now I'm not going to say I don't need you, but I need you in a different way. Right. It's no longer the educational part. Now I need the support part. And that's where I felt that my immediate community completely let me down. That's why I got very bitter and walked away. I'll be very honest. I completely walked away from interacting with leather folk because of that. And it wasn't until I started hanging out with Miss Rue and a couple other people that I realized, oh, I need to dip my toe back into this because I am missing it. I'm missing leather folk. Uh, I miss leather sex. I missed all of it. Right. I realized I can still, I, you know, obviously there's more for me to learn. I knew that. But I had completely lost any type of reference for what it looked like when it came to physical interactions. Yeah. I only knew how to interact with leather folk online. I had completely lost the ability to engage in a group setting. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it wasn't, it really wasn't until Miss Rue and I connected. And, you know, at the time she was running a leather munch and we got to actively engage with a lot of leather folk from the, around the area where I got to see how different households actually ran. How did their dynamics play out? Now, how did they do their 24-7? Was it actually a 24-7? You know, there's a lot of debate about that too, right? And so it was like, then that reinvigorated me to want to keep learning. And that's yeah. what made me branch out more. So yeah. I met 
more leather folk. I met straight leather. I met gay leather. I met lesbian leather folk. Yep. You know, I started going to more and more different play parties that were more diverse groups. You know, at one point it was funny because there was there was a gay leather group that had play parties um, twice a month. I was the only woman allowed in the dungeon because they could tell I was genuine. You know, and they knew that I was actually trying to learn from these men that had been doing it for 20, 30 years. And they realized I'm not just there to, to be a fag hag and hang out with the cool gay guys. I was there to actually learn skills. Right. So they were like, okay, we'll show you that thing. You know, I learned how to straight razor shave hmm. from leather submissive. You know? And it was a service that he had learned to show reverence for, for his family. And within his household, he became the household barber. You know, a lot of things to be said for that. Oh, yeah. You know? And so I learned very, very quickly. I learned in a terrifying manner because my <laughs> dominant at the time was like, well, here, shave me. And I'm like, I've never shaved another person. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, yeah, it'll be fine. You'll, you'll do fine. And it, I'm like, it'll be fine. What could go wrong? You're gonna bleed all over, but hey, it's cool. It's a straight razor. Yeah. Yeah. It's sure, I'll shave your face. To-do list. So I had to <laughs> shave him in front of a dungeon. It was a dungeon <laughs> of like 40 people, and it was yep. a class demo. And the guy, the guy, he was like, "Hey, Knox, you've you've seen how to do this a couple times. Come on up here." <laughs> and my now husband, I was his submissive at the time. He's like, "You can shave me. I trust you." And I was like, "Holy <laughs> fuck! I don't trust me." this is a straight razor he's just looking at me he's like you're not gonna cut me it'll be fine i'm just like holy and then i realized the guy teaching me was fucking blind (laughs) like there's no making this shit up he was right yeah he was legally blind and he's like yeah i just do it by braille i'm like Uh -uh. i don't know how i feel about this like are you making fun of me right now and he goes no use your fingers don't rely on your eyesight. Use your fingers. You can feel what you're doing to his skin. And it took those kind of terrifying experiences for me to go, that was a valuable learning. Somebody mm-hmm. else could benefit me talking about. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get that in an online space. Because no, you can't. Even learning online, these people have to have some experience to learn from. Unless yeah. all you're doing is role play. Yeah. Well, yeah. and it's it's a joke I've made God knows how many years at this point because knife play has always been in my wheelhouse so strongly. Is I can't tell you how many times and how many times I've gotten tired of being blue in the face from telling someone to go practice by grabbing meat yeah. because that's the only reference point they could have offline by themselves. Because you do need to be able to practice on something. You can't just work on a cut steak forever. Your skill rating will never grow. (laughs) Well, and I, and that's how I feel about the difference between, (laughs) you know, the online, the online education and, you know, highly encouraging people to find in-person things is you can take all the classes in the world online. You can have all the discussions, you can talk about all the things, but until you actually physically interact with another human, it's not going to be the same. Right. Mm -hmm. You can take all the soft skill classes, the communication classes, you can do all the research, but -hmm. until you actually interact with other human beings, it's not going to be the same. Right. And there's some things that, that happen within the, the interact between people in person that you can't, you just can't teach. Mm -hmm. You, you can't put it in a class. 
Right. Well, and that's so, why when I go ahead, go ahead. No, no. So that's why I'm saying that's I where the online education is extremely valuable. At some point, you have to put it into practice. Right. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no point in this where we talk about the kinky fuckery end of the pool, which is literally what we're always talking about because it's about getting to that and not having to worry about all the other stuff. Mm-hmm. So we talk till we're blue in the face about it. So when it matters, we don't. Exactly. <laughs> you yes. know, and that's literally what it's about. It's all the all the bureaucratic bullshit and red tape and diplomacy and all the things needed to shove all the things in your head so you can get to the parts that matter. Mm-hmm. And it's, Absolutely. it will never cease to amaze me how hard it is for people to be willing to absorb that. Mm-hmm. Well, because again, there's, there's so many people that have to be online only for a lot of very valid reasons, right? Right. Yeah. And, and that's why I say like, me personally, I don't like engaging with vanilla folks because I just don't like to. I don't like to have to yeah. censor my speech. I like being able to wiggle my eyebrows <laughs> and be like, that. yeah, yeah, you got that. Yeah, it's fun. And so I do find the online community very rewarding in that regard because it can be very, when it's a positive community, it can be very positive. True. And that's the key. You have to pick your online community and curate it very carefully for yourself. Now, like for me personally, sure, I found that here on Chateau, but like I also had to cultivate my own which is why I ended up creating my own server because my, mm-hmm. my needs were different than the group at large. Right. Um, my focus is different than the group at large. So mm-hmm. I cultivated that. Now, another part of that that's, I think, key is that um, I will never say that people who are online only aren't valid because I do feel that they're extremely valid. Right. Because um, like I said, there's a lot of very valid reasons why you can only be online only. Um, and they, and they don't always relate to fidelity, right? Right. Right. But absolutely. Especially so, in this like, day and age. Oh, dude, 100%. <laughs> you know, shit's crazy nowadays. And so I, I respect, you know, at least you're trying to, to connect with people, right? Yeah. But what I have seen, why I think online communities are so valid when it comes to, to kink and leather, is that you can have somebody make an innocent comment where you, you can read between the lines and say, you're having a shit day. And mm-hmm. almost immediately, everyone will seize on that. And it can be overwhelming at times, but they'll be like, hey, are you okay? Hey, let's have a check-in. Hey, what can we do to help you right now? Um, do you just want to you know share cute anime memes? Hey, do you want to jump on a, on a Zoom call real quick and we can yeah. watch anime together? And those people in a physical space would have probably never spoken to each other. Yep. True. Very yep. true. And now all of a sudden you have instant community. People that are very genuinely trying to reach out and say, hey, stranger, I support you because I can tell you're in need. But it's not with a goal of getting something back. It's right. not with a goal of expecting reciprocation. Mm-hmm. It literally is, hey, I can tell that you're hurting. How can I help you? Because right now I have the capacity to give you my time. So I think online communities are very, very valid for that. Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. But I've also seen the other side. Yep. Shit goes sideways. <laughs> and they'll times. have. Right. Well, yeah, right. Because it's happened on our server where all of a sudden you'll have a dog pile on somebody who asked a very honest, innocent, very mm-hmm. uneducated question. 
Yeah. Yep. It wasn't because they were trying to be shitty. It wasn't because they were coming from some weird place. No. It literally was, I've been in kink for three days and I'm sorry. Yeah. I've been in kink for oh, three yeah. days and the first two I spent in an auction group and that's all I know. Right. And that's now, and not their fault. <laughs> oh, not at all. Because at least they were smart enough to say, hey, I don't understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I don't understand why people get shitty with them. It's like, listen, they're, they're genuinely asking. I don't want to shut them down. Mm-hmm. I want to shut them down once they get an honest answer from two or three people. Then they're doing the, but why not? Or, yeah. you know, like, like they're a toddler, right? Why? Mm-hmm. But why? But why? But why? And it's like, okay, now I'm done with you. Or th- those, or those that, you know, no matter how logical or informative your answer is to them, they're like, yeah, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah, okay. but. With or the what if. Or the what if. Oh my gosh. The what ifs. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, oh my gosh. I will literally start telling people what I used to tell my kids is, yeah, but what about this? But what if that, well, you know what? What if, if I, this is horrible. You know, if you, if your aunt had balls, she'd be your uncle, you know? So like we can sit here and what if all day long, but it's not going to get you there. But I, I want to go back to, I, I think it's very valid what you were saying with, um, you know, people being online, helping each other where they probably would have never connected in person. Absolutely. I, I think another thing that's extremely valuable um to piggyback what you're saying is it also i've noticed allows people online to help at their capacity yes so they might not be able to stand up and give a class they might not be able to take on a mentee but at least they are able to contribute to their capacity and i think that that is something the online community offers that the in-person doesn't yes Absolutely. And it's and- it's the kind of thing that's happened on this server um, in that – and I've, I've talked about this with Devil a couple of times, but mm-hmm. you know, it's one of these where ironically a number of us showed up on this server because at the time that it first formed, there wasn't a lot of them like this one mm-hmm. where ironically enough, people like Knox, myself – like we didn't know each other before that at all mm-hmm. in any capacity. And a bunch of us where we have upwards of 20 years experience or damn near or 30 years experience all just ended up here. Not by design, but by, you know, virtue of just it being an existing place that was about education and it was about old school rules and ideas. So we all kind of gravitated to it. And then we realized we're sitting on like collectively somewhere in excess of 500 years of active local practical experience in kink in the server. Mm -hmm. How are we not making use of that? Valid. Yeah, it's true. Because it would be insane not to. Mm Because it's not about, you're never going to kill the auction groups and the porn issues and all the things that are up there making the first perspective in BDSM odd or misinformed or unhealthy for all the things that may bring positive. But instead of trying to combat them at their level, which is impossible, that's, that's right. a ridiculous war you cannot win. You don't have the numbers, the time, the energy. Not without making yourself look just as bad, and that defeats the point as well. So you make a toolbox. You build the fucking toolbox. You put the damn tools in it, and you say, here, free to anyone who wants it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I can't make you take them, but I can sure as hell put it out there for you to figure out. It's okay. You don't need to steal it later. Yeah. Because <laughs> if true. I can help you get to my level, to the best of my ability, I'm a happy some bitch because that means everybody's better off for it. That's true. And that person may learn something or evolve into something that will help someone else along the way and bring it to mm-hmm. someone else, which is the goal. The whole thing that's happening with coming full circle back to earlier about the drying up of gay leather and how the bars are shutting down and they're they're getting into smaller pockets and they're getting very political. And it's now, you know, shit rolls downhill as the line goes. And what mm-hmm. happened there is now happening in the kink community thanks to COVID and itself and mm-hmm. the way things have changed into an online slash offline world. And not everybody's figuring out how that works. Or they don't want to in some cases. Valid, yeah. And unfortunately, we're at this, we're at the cusp. We have to make it survive. And that means bringing people to it. Mm-hmm. You can't force them. That doesn't work. That's just going to in- inhibit their ability to recognize that it's not healthy up there. You put the tools in their hands to the best of your ability and hope to God they learn some. Mm-hmm. And if I can't get them to learn it, at least I goddamn tried. Right. Not for lack of trying. That's it. I'll put the toolboxes out there free of charge. I'll put the sweat, the blood, and everything else into it. All you got to do is pick the goddamn thing up and bring it home and read the damn manual. <laughs> it's true, though. You don't even have to go shop yeah. for it. It's coming to your doorstep. Yeah. You literally well, can be a lazy fuck and still learn shit. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we've taken that same we've taken that same approach. Um, we were kind of forced through that same approach for education in our in our local communities because during COVID everybody was locked down. Yeah. So we were like, well, if we it if we can't get them in the building, how else can we get to them? So we started zooming mm-hmm. a lot of the classes and putting a lot of things on Zoom, and then the world opened back up. Everybody's coming back in person. But then we sat around and we're like, no, we're going to do this hybrid. We're going to make it so that if you can't physically come into the building, we want you to have the same access to the same type of education as if you could. Um, And so, like, I can speak for me personally. You know, I I facilitate the the dominant roundtable. So when we had to shut everything down, we still did it on Zoom. But then when we opened back up, we were like, okay, we're going to offer it hybrid because not everybody had the ability to come back out yet. Right. And we had to limit our numbers of the people who could come out. We had to cap it and we had never had to cap it before. Right. Mm-hmm. And then once we realized, oh my gosh, the people that are on Zoom aren't even really from this community. They're yeah. finding us on the dark web you know, mm-hmm. and, they're, and they're attending and they're regulars now. So now yeah. all of our classes, all of our roundtables, everything is hybrid. We set it up every single time because it's like, you know what? We're adapting. If we, if you can't physically come to us, we're going to make sure that we're still accessible to you. Right. See, and that's one of the things that happened within our community that was a positive impact of doing things virtually like that. We got access to presenters that we normally wouldn't have been able to get access to. Exactly. Right. Normally, like you have to pay to fly them out or yeah. you know pay their gas, incidentals, you know, host them, whatever. Yeah. And 
We were able to get instructors from Chicago, New York, Georgia, Florida. That's fucking That were based glorious. in California. It, and it was a beautiful thing because these were a lot of presenters that in my, my leather journey that I had had access to because, you know, being in Florida, I got to see all these people right. give personal demos. I got to see people play in the dungeons. I had access to them. Moving out here, I've lost that. And I've, you know, some, you know, people go by the wayside at life, right? Right. But I was able to reconnect with some of them and say, hey, I have a group that would be interested in what you have to say. Would you be willing to, you know, take an hour out of your day and do a Zoom chat with 15 like-minded people to just share your experience? And right. next thing you know, we were having classes every weekend. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And so it was a very, very beautiful thing. And it also allowed us to do like some fundraising efforts and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I will say, you know, that was at least one of the positive side effects of making things virtual. Yes. I mean, but much, mm-hmm. much to Rue's point, like we've also gone hybrid with a lot of our classes, um, except hard skills, like things like that. Obviously right. that's things you can't a little difficult to do yeah. hybrid. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, but if, if it's like a panel discussion or something like that, like those are all virtual now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's a hybrid. And so, and, and they've been very well attended. I, yeah. I find that those those classes actually tend to be the heaviest attended versus the the fully in person. Mm-hmm. Because there are no, so absolutely. many people that are still sketch about being in groups. Yeah, there's a lot of people that are still you know, being very safety conscious for very valid reasons. You know, their risk yeah. profiles. And so, so, yeah, I mean, it's, to me, well, mm-hmm. it's a positive thing. Oh yeah. And it, and what I'm learning is, is I think that COVID has also taught us that it it's not having this success accessible to people, you know, the people that are attending our, our online classes and that are, are gaining all of this online um, education. Sometimes they are just they, they aren't physically capable to leave their homes, but this is still a part of who they are. Right. So sometimes it has nothing to do with COVID. It's they personally have accessibility challenges and mobility challenges that prohibits them from even maybe leaving their home. And mm-hmm. so this way they're, they're able to access everything in the community minus, you know, physical play and like open dungeon nights. We can't live stream those, um, but you know it gives them that. It does give them that that sense of community that they otherwise physically, just regard regardless of COVID or not, would not be able to access. Mm-hmm. And so that's I think is a huge benefit of, and and I think honestly, you know how over like every generation, we'll say every decade, we'll use a decade as a generation, you know, evolved to the time, yeah. you know, we, we evolved to the internet existing, you know, um, we evolved to cell phones, we evolved, everything has evolved with apps, yes. you know? Um, and I think that what we are in the middle of is another evolution of adapting yes. kink to the world mm-hmm. is, we're not just doing this because it's post COVID anymore. We're doing this because it worked. And it's like, this is, this is exactly what happened in this server. And it's what I was touching on earlier with the combined colloquial experience in this place. And I'm, I'm going to crack the joke because I kind of have to, because I'm one of the poor bastards who started the shindig, you know, and it began as a running joke, you know, Sunday mornings, ironically enough. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and it would just mm-hmm. be like myself and a couple of other members who would sit around, you know, drinking their coffee in the morning and just being horrible sadist bastards. And that's all it was. It was simple as that. And then we got to talking experiences because mm-hmm. we came from so many different parts of the country and the world. Mm-hmm. And that was a key element with the server being international is not just American experiences, other parts of the world experiences where they come here because it's safe for them mm-hmm. in places where, and I've, I've talked before, there was a gentleman who worked in uh, some part of the political regime of South Africa. And I was at the time I was still dabbling in an auction group. Cause I didn't know there was a difference yet in my early, <laughs> early experiences returning to King online. And he approached me from the things I was talking about just in that auction group. And he approached me privately and he said, do you have time to speak to me for a minute? I like the way you talk about being a dominant. Mm. And I like the way you talk about being leather because you're very humble about it. You don't talk like you're something special. Mm -hmm. And I find that to be a rare thing. And if you were willing to put in the time, I'd love to pick your brain. Because where I'm at, and he, he wasn't detailed, but he made it clear that he was in a position where... You know, and I know there's parts of the world like this still in South Africa. If he ever was found out as doing anything like this, he'd be killed. Right. Straight up. His life is on the line even talking to me about it because his community doesn't exist. Right. And that is probably the biggest part of doing things like this. And it's why it evolved to where I started realizing a bunch of us would sit at like two in the morning doing the old fart routine and just yammering on about the old days, not because they were the good old days. But in reference (laughs) to where we are now as well Mm -hmm. and realizing Mm -hmm. we all had so much capacity for experience we could pass on. And it started as a running joke of we could really make a podcast out of this. Well, guess what? I fucking did. Did. (laughs) Yeah, surprise. Because you know what? I see see our analytics. We're only eight episodes deep. I'm not – I am not ambitious enough to think that we're like somewhere in a top five somewhere yet or anything like that. I'm not – I'm not, you know – immodest about where we are i know where i am but with only eight episodes deep we get downloads from across the world Mm -hmm. right things you can't fake by having some dude in you know the next door house download it five times you know Mm -hmm. what i mean like these are actual Mm -hmm. details that come from people are hearing us from places we don't even have control over and i think that's Mm -hmm. great because it means they're doing it from places where they can't Physically, mm-hmm. uh, maybe there is no existing community. Maybe they can't have one for one reason or another. And this is giving them the opportunity to delve into a place they otherwise can't. And that's an amazing thing all by itself. And if that doesn't justify the reason why we should be an online presence, I don't know what does. No, absolutely. I, I absolutely agree with that. And I think that that these, I think we are honestly seeing just the first steps of how vital and how important it can be. Yeah. I, I, I think that it, even in, in our lifetime and in our experience with this, that we're going to see it evolve into something probably bigger than we even thought it could be. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. I suspect a large part of that evolution is going to find that because so many people are forced to be online one way or another, Mm -hmm. there's going to be the evolution of the mental part of kink and mental dominance, et cetera, is going to see a rise 
because it'll be the only way it participates for some people. But it means mm -hmm. even more so that even if it wasn't, all the ethics of making sure they know where to speak from, where the tools are, how to be safe, are every bit as important, even if you're not going to a local munch and planning to do something with somebody physically. Yeah. It's no and less then, important. Oh, and like to your point about the geography of kink, right? Like, even within the United States, you know, because America is so large. And you are American, you understand what it is to be rural, but not. Yep. You understand what it is to be a part of a community, but not. Because many communities are only online because yeah. they don't have a club they can go to. Yes. They don't have meetings or anything because their geographic location is the entire state, right? And so people overseas don't necessarily understand that about America other than, yeah, America is huge. But they have the same issues, especially... You know, like the server that we're talking about that's international. Um, we've got a lot of people that are like in the Middle East that yes. are interested in BDSM, but literally for fear of their life can't be found to be associated with these kinds of groups. Right. So they do do it online only, you know. And so, I mean, there was two gentlemen on our server specifically that we in invested a great deal of time in because yeah. they were legitimately learning, very passionate <laughs> And wonderful you know, very, people. Absolutely wonderful people. And you know, we were able to broaden their horizons and give them what they were seeking and give them enough so that they could discern real from fake, porn yeah. from, from reality. They, they could understand that what they were physically engaging in was extremely dangerous, not just because of their life, but because of what they were actually doing. Right. You know, one gentleman right. specifically, I had to walk through pegging because he didn't understand the differences between that and just regular anal sex with a penis. Right. You know, it, it, things like that, right? And so there's a lot of safety talks that happened with them because there was no one for them to ask. And right. it's like, I don't want you learning this shit on your own and potentially hurting yourself, mm -hmm. you know, egregiously and then having to seek medical, medical attention, but then refusing to seek help because you can't. Or worse, you know? and, and it makes someone me... else in that along the way. Yeah. Exactly. Or God forbid and, somebody and found you, out. Yeah. And hearing you talk about it like that makes me go back to thinking like my question to you guys, you know, how do you how do you present it? You were talking relatability. I'll take it one step further and saying I think it's vital that people like that were able to learn and especially in this group because you created a safe space for them to learn. Even if it's online space, it's still space. Right. So you, they 100%. might not have the safety of a dungeon of a building to separate them from the rest of the world to learn. You've created a bubble that they can literally go to anytime they need to and not and not be feared of seeing and being right. seen. And and that way they if they feel safe, they're more open to learn. Well, and while the ch the podcast and the the chateau itself are separate entities for some purposes, you know, it doesn't change that we are active here too. And it's like the lounge, the main main chat room is effectively a munch of sorts. Mm -hmm. When people first mm -hmm. come in and finally verify and come through the walls of the unverified hordes, as it were, <laughs> and make it into this school of learning, whatever you want to call it, you know, the lounge is their first spot and it's where everybody meets each other for the first time. And, you know, you can evaluate who you are and who they are, etc. And it's it literally like a munch. It's an online munch. Mm -hmm. And uh -huh. then if you jump into VC, even more so. Yeah. Yeah. 
You know, it's, it's ways to interact with people in some format that you otherwise would not have been able to. And mm-hmm. it not be a fuck fest or a porn fest or a cam fest or an auction or one of the other billion ways that BDSM is perceived by all these people that are just trying to get the rocks off. Right. Because whether we like it or not, they're part of the community because that's how people see the community. So yeah. instead of trying to fight it head on like an idiot, because that's never going to work, you fight it by not trying to fight it. You give people tools to come to their senses on their own. Because if you yeah. put enough information in the water, it's eventually going to sink into enough people. But it means putting the work in. And it doesn't matter who you are, what level of experience you have. We say evolve on this journey for a reason. Because it doesn't matter if you're one year in or 50 years in. You may have learned something already that may impart to someone who doesn't know it yet. And that's just as important for someone who just joined us a year ago as someone like me who's been in it two decades. Right. And their opinions and experiences are no less valid, and nor should they be, as long as they're talking the talk the way it should be. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I tell people all the time, you know, just because I teach impact classes doesn't mean I still don't go to them. Right. Because I'm going to learn something from them. Fuck yes. You know, so. Just because you know the thing doesn't doesn't mean that you don't ever go back to one of those classes. I have right. yet to have sat in any class that I didn't take away something. Now, just like Knox said before, you know, a bad example is still an example. So sometimes you learn what not to do, and sometimes you learn like, yeah, I should never do that. Right. But you still are learning something. Hmm? You are still learning something. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I that, think that's the key. It is. Yeah, no, I, I, I was just going to say, and I think that that's important to the online community as well is, yeah, stick around. We want your input because you're going to learn something from somebody else and we're going to learn something from you. Exactly. And that it's another thing that goes full circle into the leather part of when we talk about leather being self-serving as well as community serving, the give mm-hmm. and take. Whoever you are, when you join us, you're going to learn something from us by sticking around. But I don't know what I may learn or experience from you. Exactly. And that could be any number of that, especially as a man who grew up poly and pan. I don't know what that connection is going to be until I give it time to see what it is. That's very true. And I don't know if I'm doing myself a disservice. By not taking the time to be available for that space to exist. Absolutely. And the things that sometimes you and I or any of the three of us that we learn, it's not necessarily that we're learning a skill or we're learning like a new thing. We might be learning a new way to teach people because of the interactions we've had with you. Because we've not thought of that aspect before. Absolutely. So, yeah, so that's why the, the learning is, is multifaceted because I might not learn anything new about throwing a flogger or I might not learn anything new about negotiating a scene, but I might learn something new about the people I'm doing it with because I might not have ever seen that perspective before. No, and it's the same. it's the same kind of thing in that you don't know what the next horizon will be until you take the time for it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in whatever format you can get it. 
I mean. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. But I think that also translates into the the newer people with leather. You know, just yes. to circle back on the leather it conversation. Is, you know, I might have a lot of knowledge about leather, but you might teach me how to teach it to you. Right. You might be teaching me how to adapt it to this new generation that's wanting to learn it. Maybe we need to change the way that we present the information. Maybe we need to change some of the language so that it's more inclusive for you to want to hear it. So we might have all the knowledge in the world, but if we don't know how to speak to the audience that needs it, right. it's going to get lost. Well, and I always think back, to, it's what we said earlier about, you know, the nature of leather being as fractured as it is anyway, because you, again, you can talk to two houses that are within 10 feet of each other and get two entirely different sets of practices. Yes. So you already have that in the pool as how leather is presented. In other words, a billion different ways. So to mm -hmm. bring that to an online format. I don't know what you as a person may bring to my experiences because my experiences were already only in a microcosm of what could be. Mm -hmm. And having the humility to recognize that alone is huge. And realizing Absolutely. who knows what I can learn from who. Because it doesn't mm -hmm. matter what part of leather they came from. They're not the leather I came from. Therefore, it's something I don't know yet. And it might not be that my leather is the the path of leather that you go. You right. might learn from me and be like, I relate more to gay leather culture. But mm -hmm. at least you got some kind of information from me to get you in that direction right? where, where you feel more comfortable. So, but if I had never maybe changed the words that I use or the manner of which I share it, you might not have ever gotten that first step. Mm -hmm. I, will I think that's very valid. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Huh. That's why it's also really interesting. That, and that's part of that is why I constantly want to hear from other leather folk. Right. What was your path? What was your journey? <laughs> How did you find this? Because I'm endlessly curious. Because for every way one of us finds this, there's somebody that's struggling to find it. And yeah. they may hear one of our stories yeah. and go, oh, my God, that's me. Or, oh, my God, mm -hmm. I can relate to that. Yeah. And it'll cause them to reach out and find more legitimate people to help. Right. Yes. And I think that's the point. That's the goal. Absolutely. I want people to feel more empowered because I don't want them to think that leather is some mysterious, omnipotent being. Well, and I keep looking at breathing. it from the point of, you know, I come from the generation that should have been the last gatekeeping pile of fucks. It shouldn't have even been the last, but you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. But they're there, and whether I like it or not, I'm part of that group. So even more so the point of actively striving to not be in that and look just like them. Mm -hmm. By limiting myself to the point where I'm no better. Because then nobody gets anything out of it, me included. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm not serving myself by not serving the community. I, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Which kind of goes back to what it is about leather. So mm -hmm. <laughs> at least the way I was taught it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that that's, 
I'm finding that that's important in the conversations that I'm having with, I'm going to say a younger in age generation, not just new to kink. Fair. Is if you, if it doesn't match the, I might be murdering this word, but the vernacular that they use. Yeah. Um, if, if it doesn't match the vernacular that they already live in, or it seems it gives the perception that it is, it has to fit in this box. It has to have these walls. You have to follow these rules or you're not doing it right. Then they're just going to blow you off because Mm -hmm. that's not the world that they have created as young adults. They have created such a fluid world where it is about how it relates to you personally and not necessarily the bigger picture first. And I think that that's another evolution of leather that we're in the middle of now, where if we don't evolve to where this newer generation is coming from, we, we are aiding in it dying. I hundred percent. Absolutely. Now that, and that's careful not to be those old fuckers that say, yep. well, that's not how I was brought up. And that's it, you know, not that's leather. not what it was. That's not what I had to go through to get to this point. You know, we have to be able to step outside of our experiences and what we feel is the correct way of doing things and see, okay, can they still get these same values? Can they still get these same lessons? Can they still get mm-hmm. these same things, but at their, but, but meet them where they're at, meet them where they're learning instead of expecting them to meet them where we already experienced. Right. So this, the, the, my snarky comment to that is instead of screaming, get off my lawn, it's get off my vest. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's more accurate than it should be. Yeah. <laughs> screaming, get off my vest. Don't touch my leather. Yeah. <laughs> Don't touch my hat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, it so almost, true, and it goes against a lot of like, I will say it's a personal struggle for me because I did learn from such an older generation right. that it's an internal battle in my head of, but this is, this made sense the way they taught it to me. And this, I, I get where they, I get where they were coming from. These kids just need to sit down and listen to what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And my mind goes, no. Ruth, that's can't say that's that. not how it'll work. Yeah, that's exactly. Not how work. So I have to have like really fast, intense internal battles between the mentality that I that was hammered into me and the mentality that I want to portray so that it's accessible. Right. Yep. Well, and it's this horrible problem that I don't think enough people in any whatever form of leather you come from, whether it's gay, hetero, lesbian, bi, agender, I don't care. It's not relevant to this part of the discussion. Right. And I say that for a specific reason, because they all need to hear it. (laughs) And it's that at the end of the day, it's still leather first. Mm -hmm. And if you're not sustaining it, it's gone. You don't have to be, like, in the forefront of the charge like some of us are, like, you know, podcasts and trying to bring the online world to a closer universe. You don't have to be at the forefront of that just because. 
Not everyone has the energy for that. And I'm not judging you if you don't have it. Mm -hmm. But don't be part of the problem if you're not part of the solution actively. That's all I ask. Right. Don't make it harder. Mm -hmm. Or you don't we have will to not have anything. Yeah, you don't have to agree with the way that I'm presenting it, but no. that doesn't mean you have to get in my way. I mean, I I've now been on three different parts of the country overall, and they all have different views of leather and non-leather and kink in general. I don't expect them all to agree with each other. Mm -hmm. Leather didn't start by agreeing to itself. Why the hell would I expect it to now? Exactly. <laughs> You're allowed to exactly. disagree with me or think I'm an asshat as long as you get the message. And that's so one of the things that just got posted in the chat, I think is a good point. What yes. makes leather leather? And it is all of these things because yeah, you, I, you will never find it's funny. It doesn't matter what group, anytime you get more than two people together and they start talking about leather, <laughs> we'll find that there's similarities, but there are vastly more differences. Yes. It really has nothing to do with sexuality and, and gender no. expression. It has everything to do with, what people feel is like their personal moral code and then what they expect from their community. That's what makes leather leather. Yes. Mm -hmm. My opinion, right? Because you're, you're, you have your inherent moral code, your personal ethics and your ways of behaving, your protocols and what I'll call your worldview expectations. And then you have the expectations that you take on from interacting with others who obviously are like-minded and that then starts forming a community right? and it will mm -hmm. be different for each community. And it's not just a geographical thing. It really is based on the people interacting within themselves and whatever outside influences they have. And that's why you find some leather groups are very toxic because they've gone stagnant and they don't bring in mm -hmm. new ideas. They don't do more education. And so they've just been like stagnating in this weird little cesspool and it's just their immediate family, right? They form a leather house mm -hmm. and then that's the end all be all of their community. I'm not saying it's wrong or bad. You just have to know what you're getting into when you interact with them. But then you've got others that make it a point to seek out more leather folk. You've got the, the like, it's like they're throwing their wings open wide and they're like, <laughs> I want all things leather come to me. Give and me your leather. Give me your leather. <laughs> <laughs> Those people, to me, define the true nature of leather because, I agree. again, going back to basics and where leather came from with those men post-World War that were trying to find community, they were trying to find other people that they could share horrific experiences with and yes. not be shunned. They were mm -hmm. looking to have sex with men that were like-minded and, you know, not judgmental. You know, they were... They were trying to develop all of those things that they could not find in the regular world, right. even within gay spaces. There was something very unique to those men's experiences that they had throughout the world wars that did not compare to anything stateside. And they weren't wrong in that. No. Those experiences were absolutely unique. You know, and you know, you see it you see it again with, with every military theater movement. And then you start seeing way uh, you know police and fire and other groups you know get wrangled into that yeah and you know there's a reason why leather men fetishize police uniforms right yes. there's, there's a reason why they <laughs> fetishize the military uniforms they're one they're fucking sexy but two it, you know it's it's 
their roots, where they came from. And it did yeah. become a little more MC. And like, it was funny because I recently attended a lecture by another very well-known Leatherman. And the first thing he said was, where the fuck did all these harnesses come from? <laughs> yes. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, because for me, when I walk into spaces, if I saw someone in a harness, that was a submissive. Dominance didn't yeah. work harness. But, you know, now you go to any bar that has leather folk and you're going to see leather shit everywhere. All sorts of different mm -hmm. harnesses and caps and, and you know, different ways of flagging and, and bracers and, like, you know, boot stuff like ornamentation. And all of it has meaning to the person wearing it, right? But also mm -hmm. some of it is just to fucking look cool because leather's hot. Mm -hmm. and, you know, and that's the thing is there's a lot of people that I think start finding leather folk simply because they're attracted to leather. It's mm -hmm. not even the lifestyle. It's the articles. Like I know for me, publicly identifying as leather freaked me out because I'm a leather fetishist on top of it. Mm -hmm. So wearing leather things is what makes me feel sexy. I feel empowered and it has nothing to do with my lifestyle. I just like the way the shit feels on my skin. I think it's sexy when I'm playing with one of my subs or I'm getting a boot black service I'm a submissive and they're rubbing me up and down because yes, I make them shine my leather on me. I don't take it off to help them. Um, fuck you. I want to feel sexy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Hell yeah. And then I realized, oh my God, now am I a leather poser? Because I'm wearing all this, <laughs> like I'm wearing a leather vest. Nobody presented that to me. Oh my God, they're going to judge me. And then I realized okay, my fetish is valid. Mm -hmm. you know, leather does smell amazing. Leather does feel amazing. I want to do all the sexy things. But now I can say, I want to be a part of that culture as well. So it's, it's a very different thing. And I, I feel like you know, going back to the gatekeepy preachy stuff, like we have a lot of leather folk that will walk into a dungeon space and absolutely judge someone because they see them wearing a leather vest. Mm -hmm. So they assume, well, you're trying to portray yourself as leather folk when that's not actually true. They just may like leather. Well, and this is something we touched on in the previous episode about, and I, I find it funny because it appropriates the same way in that they do that kind of thing. But at the end of the day, it's like, I have bad news for you. It was never organized about awarding leather in the first fucking place, mm -hmm. even on the same damn coast in some cases. Mm -hmm. There's no reference point that is a globally recognized, you must get it in this order. There's many that have similar patterns, but even then, not everybody even did it. And a lot of time, the whole presentation <laughs> of leather had nothing to do with you leveling up in the community. No. It was it, a lot of it, especially through the AIDS pandemic. And another person put it very more eloquently than I can. But they basically <laughs> said you were given a piece of leather because it meant something to someone. And because they were dying of AIDS, they couldn't wear it anymore because it fell off their body. Yeah. yeah. So they gifted it to somebody that they loved, that they saw something in to say, take this and let a piece of me live on. Yes. It had nothing to do with, congratulations, you've leveled up in no, the leather game. It was usually personal mm -hmm. gifts yep. as a Absolutely. form of honor in Absolutely. some cases. And that's especially in the why... beginning, it was especially a thing of honor between mm -hmm. men of honor. And that's why it was so sentimental. Right. But to be to be to have leather mentor say, take my vest. So that you can remember me. Holy shit. You know, you get that from your great grandparents. You get that from your parents. You get, you know, there's so many ways that those kind of sentimental things happen. That's what these men were trying to impart. 
Yeah. And the other thing too is presenting of leathers and having it be a ceremony is very much a heterosexual thing. And it's a oh, very yes. new age thing. That's very much new age leather. You did not find that in the OG world. There was there was no you know, secret society, Mason looking no. <laughs> formation of leather folk to, mm -hmm. to watch you, you know, with the reverent music in the background. No, it, it was fucking well, three what's dudes funny at a is, bar saying, hey, congrats. Well, what's funny is that did exist to a limited extent, but only on the hetero side of the equation. And it was private. It wasn't at the bars and the venues. It wasn't public mm -hmm. in any way. And because of that, no one bothered to write any of it down as a history. Like nobody knows that was going on because, again, we started with the very unpleasant parts of it on the hetero side of things, whereas the gay side was much healthier in that regard. Mm -hmm. And we have better documentation. And that doesn't mean any, either of them is less valid than the other. It's that we have to recognize that that's what our information comes from, whether we like it or not. And unfortunately, it changes all the perspectives. Like, I was in a pansexual household, which is why they did award leather, because half of the team, so to speak, were hetero or had hetero leaning. But the old man, as it were, and we only had one old man, and he was the old salty fucker from San Francisco with the, you know, silver eagles on his damn cover. <laughs> Not because of anything other than he liked the way it fucking looked. It didn't mean yeah. anything to him. And if he, mm -hmm. if you asked him that it did, he'd probably give you a funny look. But the mm -hmm. one thing that will always stand out is he had awarded someone a bracelet hmm. from his collection. And it was the only time it ever happened. He never awarded anyone anything. Because it was a personal thing for him. And it was the when he found out, it was the great-grandson of a man he served with. Who also happened to have joined the household by coincidence. And it was coincidence. And then they started talking and they figured out who it was with each other. And he was an exemplary member of the house. So for the elder to come down and gift a piece of his collection to this guy had nothing to do with the household. It was personal. Just more beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And it was meant to be. It was something special because it had nothing to do with you're just this cool or we recognize you're not a complete idiot. It was this means something to me and I need you to understand that it means something to me for you to have it. Mm -hmm. And that to me is a much more amazing thing. Yeah. And it's much more genuine. Yeah. Yeah, well, see, and, and, then, and I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Good, good. <laughs> no, I was saying, but I'm just going to put out there. While there was no traditional, like the gifting of leather, really wasn't historically a thing. The way the ceremonious part of it that people have attached to in the last, let's say, 20 years, right? Yeah. Um, but if that's what is meaningful to the person receiving it is that they are getting it from their leather community. They're being recognized for their leather community. That's still valid. Mm -hmm. Because to me, it's about what is the meaning of the person? How does it, how is it meaningful for the person receiving it? It doesn't necessarily happen to ha It doesn't have to happen ceremoniously in order for it to be valid. But if that's the person who's receiving it, if that's what they subscribe to, then I still want to make a point to make it meaningful for them. Right. Mm -hmm. And no, that's okay. That. that can be okay. As long as it's not taught that that's the only way that it has importance. And that's that right there is part of my thing and why I went 
and it, and it's dicey because it's it's hard to explain it. I think the right way. When somebody tells me that they've been presented leather, I'm always skeptical for that reason. Yeah. Because because I'm like, what? Explain to me what that meant to you. And it's not me mm -hmm. challenging their dedication. It's because I'm trying to understand where do they come from. Now, was this something where your peers recognized in you? something that they wanted to see fostered, embodied, things like that? Or was this a pageant token? Leather? Yeah. Yeah. So like for me, my leather path is completely untraditional, you know, much like Miss Ruth said, because not, I don't know anyone who's walked my path. I don't know anyone who comes from the same background that I do that has invested things quite the way that I have. Right. That I could 100% look up to and say, get it, which means you get me. Mm -hmm. And especially now that I've been in kink this long, it seems kind of dumb to be like, hey, can you present me boots? Because it's like, I earned my boots 20 years ago in an industry that women were not a part of. So there's so many different yeah. things around leather culture that you know, I completely get on a fundamental, deep soul-burning level because of my experiences and because of the toxic nature of the communities that I've been around I can't say that I would respect anyone enough to present me certain things you know which is a nasty thing to say and it's and it's not a comfortable thing to admit no right but at the same time as another part of that perspective just because no one should have considered giving it to you per se doesn't mean you didn't deserve them regardless. Oh, and yeah, no, I mean, no doubt, right? Earned is earned. But like, yeah. but that's my point is I, for me, the people that seek leather presentation as some kind of trophy or some kind of proof that they've made it, me cheapens the whole experience. Yeah. I'm not in it to say, okay, I got my boots. Now I need to work towards my belt. Okay, I got my belt. Now I need to work towards my belt. Like nobody gives a fuck. I give a fuck about is, are you being authentic to yourself? Do you have method of being and living and being legitimately truthful to yourself and authentic. That's what I care about. I could give three shits what you dress like. I could give three shits what you look like. Right? Because none of that tells me what kind of person you are. Just because you show right. up to a leather gathering and you're wearing a vest, that doesn't tell me much about you as a person. It just tells me you, you've got a cool vest. Now, I want to know what makes you you. Now, I want to know, you know, when I start seeing people acting reverent towards someone and, and like deferring to them, I want to know why. Clearly, yeah. they see mm -hmm. something special in you. Now, I want to know what that is. It's not me trying to say you're not valid. It's me literally trying to connect with others in a way that I can learn from as well. And it, you know, and it does come across, I, like I can tell you in a physical space when people encounter me, it does come across very judgmental because I, my resting bitch face is pretty epic, <laughs> but like, but it's not what it is. You know, it truly right. is me trying to pick apart and getting, getting to appreciate what others see in you because I want to see it myself. Yeah. You know, and so that's, that's the kind of the hard part about all of this, you know, especially now that I've been going to more leather gatherings and interacting with a more diverse group of leather folk um, from all walks of life. I'm, I'm seeing these differences and I'm seeing the cultural differences within these leather groups. Mm -hmm. And that's been fascinating too. 
now, especially as I deal with with more people that aren't straight you know, or people that aren't yeah. just strictly gay. Exactly. And, and I'm learning so much more from these other groups that I'm like, yes, hell yes. Here's here's the ethics that I was talking about. Here's the morals that I was talking about. Here's the people, you know, living their truth in a very valid way that makes me go, aha. Yeah. This mm-hmm. is the community that I was seeking. Now, I, I just, you know, again, it, it comes back to the whole, the stand and model group, right? BDSM, it's bonded, yeah. dominant, stand and model. And, and those are the people that I just, I have decided I'm over. Like, I'm not in it for the looks. Like, I'm not in it to be mm-hmm. sexy. I, I'm no. in it because I'm now trying to grow. Well, and to piggyback off that as well is I'm not in this to prove all the older generation wrong anymore. No. I'm not here to tell them that they're wrong. I'm not here to tell the young people that they're wrong. I'm going to tell you where I come from. Exactly. I'm going to tell you my opinions on it. I'm going to tell you my my belief systems. And then you can use that information how you see fit. It's not my job anymore. And I And that was one of the biggest turnoffs for me when I would get around a lot of leather folk is they wanted to pick apart... Um, what they thought was wrong about the the leather history or they want to argue like i i legitimately went to a leather convention and they were doing a leather title competition and one of the questions that they asked them was uh what's better old guard or new guard and i just stood there like apples and oranges wow wow like why would that even be relevant at at something like this and so it's i i don't seek out like a lot of the local leather community because that's that's not my agenda i'm not about that i'm not here to say what people did or didn't do was right or not right or that book is, mm-hmm. is historically incorrect and don't get your information from there. No, this is just me. This is my experiences. This is yeah. who I got them from. And now you can do with it what you want. Right. Well, and it's, it's the kind of thing that I, I, there's two points that I always have to go hand in hand with whether I like it or not, because they roll together and they're, it's not a nice thing to say, but I can't do much about that because it's the simple truth. And it's mm-hmm. at the end of the day, since I have been back in the community, the more I've been in it, the less I feel like I've missed anything in the leather community. And that feels so <laughs> shitty to even talk about. I feel insulted for myself. Yeah. You should feel like you're having to catch up and, and you haven't. I and feel you like haven't. I'm shitting on my own head when yeah. I say that. You know what I mean? Like, that's ridiculous that that's the sensation I should feel. And two... <laughs> Of the three active communities I have been a part of since I've been back or have experience with at all, I've only had non-leather people in the kink community that I have felt comfortable calling master. Mm-hmm. Let that sink in for a second. Yeah. At my age with the experiences I've had. That should not be what's coming out of my mouth. And I, again, feel hurtful that I even have to say it. Yeah. I, I understand that sentiment. Yeah. I do. Uh, do. I mean, and part of that is, you know, having gotten to know you, right? And 
talked about our past and stuff like that. It, yeah. Completely understand what you're saying. And it, and it, but like I said, right, it, it's a shitty feeling to admit these things out loud. Yeah. But it's the reality of the situation that we're in. Yep. And so, you know, Rue, you had asked, like, why we do what we do and why we feel compelled to do it. It's literally all of these things. Yeah. Yeah. That's accurate. Hands down, it's all of these things. Mm -hmm. Well, and I I get that, too, because in 20 years from now, you don't want to look back and say nothing's grown. There's been I didn't I didn't help contribute to any growth, you know, and and I get that. Yeah. I mean, it's. Did I try to do something? Yeah. (laughs) Mm-hmm. did i make a difference in my own little world and if not why didn't i yeah yeah exactly I mean, very it, valid very valid it's no different than like the the last episode we had where we talked about s types in a broad strokes way and we mm-hmm. had just and no differently than with leather you know it's going to be something we do with everything we talk like mature adults about situations that adults need to talk about that mm-hmm. means being able to recognize that there are shitty things that are part of it too. Mm-hmm. And they don't mm-hmm. not exist just because we don't want to talk about them. If anything, the opposite, glossing over them is exactly what the community does not need. Yes, it's, I have my opinions. I will drop 400 disclaimers so that people understand that my opinions I don't expect you to take. They're just mine. But mm-hmm. this is the facts, and this is my opinion, and you need to at least be aware of the facts and go from there. Because they're there whether we like it or not. The good and the yeah. bad. Well, and, and I think that there's not enough emphasis sometimes on the bad. Because when we, were, we had DRT last night, and we were talking about, you know, for people who have had, you know, 10, 15 plus years in the community, if you could imagine a, a, like a, a dominant convention for you to go to, what type of things would you want to learn? What type of things, what kind of classes would you hope they had? And one of the things that got brought up that we talked about was, you know, nobody wants to talk up, nobody wants to talk about the things they fucked up. No. But yet that's where all the lessons are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if a bunch of us experienced dominance sat around and talked about all the things we had fucked up at the beginning (laughs) and all of the things we got, horribly wrong at the beginning and what we learned from it that would be that is so much more valuable than to look at people and say do this do that because and there's no because but be like oh my gosh i did this thing and let me tell you how it went sideways yeah Mm -hmm. i I and i think that that holds true with leather if we don't actively talk about what got messed up and where things went sideways you're losing more lessons than the lessons of trying to just teach people what they should do. Well, mm-hmm. And it's the kind of thing, like when I talk about things like this, especially with talking about leather, which is at this point in time, inherently political. If you are talking to more than one side of the origin, no matter what you do, you can't help it because so many people have so many opinions now. And part of that's the nature of leather. You know, I don't expect people to not have opinions. God help us. Mm-hmm. But like when I talk about the issues with where gay leather has become and where it's going, etc., I need them to understand I personally don't have a problem with gay leather at all. God knows I have the utmost respect for the people who allowed us to develop, who gave us the floor. I mm-hmm. respect the point, even if you don't respect mine. 
And I need you to understand that. I don't care if you're gay. I don't care if you're straight. I don't care if you're lesbian. I don't care if you're black, pink, Asian, 14 polka dots. I'm pansexual. I don't give a fuck what you got. That's not anything to me. I care about your values and whether you show them to me. Walk the walk. I don't want to hear the talk if you can't back it up. And that's true of anyone. Right. Because I'm doing my best too. Mm -hmm. I don't need you to be perfect or a saint or anywhere near my level of attempt. I just need you to put the work in. Mm -hmm. You put the work in, I'll give you the fucking world. That's it. Come to the table, come correct, or don't come at all. Right. Yeah. I'll mm-hmm. give you the free fucking meal, four courses and all. You just got to actually come to the table with some decency. Mm-hmm. That's it. And that doesn't have a requirement on it other than basic human integrity. I don't care what your roots are. I don't care where you learned from. I don't care what your history, views, religions. I don't give a shit. It's irrelevant to me. Because I'm here about leather and I'm here about kink. Mm-hmm. As a leather person. You're just a needy bitch. No, unfortunately not. I'd love to be. That would be more interesting. I can I can resist that one. I know. God, you're needy. This from the whiskey bitch. I mean <laughs> yeah, so I was surprised he didn't make a snobby comment so that it wasn't snobby whiskey bitch or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of impressed. He could have done so much. Well, then again, he probably realized it wouldn't have fit. Um, right. He he knew. He knew. <laughs> I, he knew, but at the same time, that's the one person who would have tried to remove the first part of that name. <laughs> Just to shove a right. nickname in there. He would have tried it. <laughs> Love him for it, but he would have. <laughs> I'll update my own nickname. There you go. Be that guy. I'll be that guy. Sorry. Like I make it a point not to, but every so often I will when it's been the same long enough and I'm just too busy to be active. Like we're gonna resort to what everybody knows anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Salt father, salty fucker, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. There you go. All right, I did it. You did it. You did the thing. She Where did the thing. Instead of just. <laughs> We'll see. I'll that one. I don't know if it'll fit, but we're about to find out. It'll fit. It'll fit. It always fits. Shove it in there. Just it'll, shove it in there. It, it won't fit unless the uh, it won't reduce fit. you to Nox. It won't take well, any that's more bullshit. letters. Yeah, it's a Discord limit thing. Mm. Yeah. Okay, like we'll you're effectively two spaces off of Max. <laughs> take out the spaces. Yeah, take out the space. I'll see if that'll help. Oh, here, okay, let me not? try it. Let's I think see. I got this. Yeah, I'll, I'll put a formal request in. I'll make it formal. I mean, it technically <laughs> already is. Maybe we can spell whiskey correctly because I'm Irish. <laughs> see, I'm that fucking snobby. So, Pacheen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I had to. That potato shit, <laughs> right? There you go. Well, there you I go. mean, it is the potato shit. It's just better potato shit. But anyway, <laughs> Here, had to. I'll, I'll edit. There you go. We'll make it safe. I'll take out the e. Oh, it didn't let me. Never... Yeah, there it goes. Okay. Yeah. It's okay. I got this. <laughs> <laughs> 
Here we go. <laughs> Took out the spaces. <laughs> I know the ways of the Discord. Okay. Oh, I see what happened there. That's okay. There we go. <laughs> now it's official. <laughs> yeah. Nothing's but official until it's Discord official. Right. But you know what? There's nothing wrong with embracing that shit. Nope. Oh, I like that. It's all like one gigantic. Oh, wow. Look yeah. at that. <laughs> Isn't that great? Holy crap. <laughs> it's amazing. It almost that becomes a whole new title all its own. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be like, who the fuck is that? No, it's even better because in my head now I've got like the old medieval form of like noble calling where they'd read off the name first. It's like the snobby whiskey bitch Imperatrix Knox. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Right? <laughs> my royal title, bitches. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> and if it's going to be a royal title, it should have whiskey in it. No, it's going to It happen. should. Yeah. Every Fet Life message I get from now on that's like, goddess, whatever, I'll be like, uh, her royal uh, highness. Technically, it's. <laughs> you don't get to call me goddess unless there's a bottle of whiskey involved. Absolutely. And I'm talking right, about myself, was... too. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Well, we're going to have to wrap this yeah. up. Yeah. Well, thank to you for finals. inviting me. I thoroughly enjoyed this. I appreciate the opportunity to to get to talk with you guys here. Hell yes. I'm glad Absolutely we finally got you on the show. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully this might be a semi-regular thing. I would be down for that. That's Absolutely. Awesome. That would be amazing. Yes. In the meantime, final thoughts? Anybody? Nobody? Um, Death threats? death threats no i think i'm out of those it's i didn't choose why i haven't had enough coffee for death threats i gotta see how my i gotta see how my dolphins play before i start issuing any death threats that's fair (laughs) (laughs) no actual death threats were harmed in the making of this podcast there you go. That that should be a, a like a normal disclaimer. Right. Fetlandia. <laughs> Fetlandia. Oh my god. It works though. It really works. No, I haven't, but now I'm gonna live with that one. I'm gonna use that. It's branded. <laughs> In the great nation of Fetlandia. Home of the domliest of Doms. Oh my god. Card carrying. <laughs> Card-carrying domliest of doms. Oh, that's just wrong. Because are you really a domly dom if you don't have the card to prove it? I uh, are dominate. <laughs> I are dominate. I are dominate <laughs> by Dombot 8000. Fucking hell. God. All right. That's all, all right. I got. Well, thank you for y'all that have come to join us today. As always, we appreciate you coming and listening in. Absolutely. Um, for those that will listen in later and actually hear this posted up on RSS and everything, thank you for listening. We love having the more of you, the merrier. Again, if you have any questions, comments, want to hear about something that we may have missed or think we missed, please reach us out. Please. Reach us out? Yes, reach us out. Are you to reach around for this? <laughs> Only if they buy me dinner oh. first. Um, <laughs> everything's sure. negotiable. Oh. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, she fell God. out. It's okay. That's funny. That's funny. That was great. Yes. Feel free to reach to. out to us. Obviously, we're easy to find. Yes. So uh, 
yeah, hit us up, drop a note, and say hi. Tell me to fuck off. It all works. Right? Please, all of the above sometimes. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you guys for coming. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and see you soon.